Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. I'm Press. Fellas, what's good? Shit, man, I can't call it DC A-Dub. What's the good word, fam? Hey, man, it's getting close to the weekend, Press. So you know I'm feeling good anyway, man. The weekend, shit, it's getting close to some vacation time for me. Shit. <laughs> I bet, man, you always on vacation, man. Man, please, don't be telling people them lies, man. See, listeners, don't listen to A-Dub. <laughs> I ain't A-Dub took no is va- right. I ain't took no vacation in a minute, bro. You can't call Vegas a vacation. That's That was an in-and-out type of situation. In-and-out. <laughs> Sometimes vacations need vacations. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) See, DC, get it. Sometimes you need a vacation from a vacation. I agree. Well, man, we got a lot to unpack on this show. And audience, you guys better buckle up because we got a lot that we're going to talk about today. Fellas, there's been a lot of foolishness going on and we're going to tackle it today. But before we get into that, I want to give a special, special acknowledgement to Walter Payton. Sweetness. Greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? Fellas, when you think about Walter Payton, like what does he mean to each of you guys? You know, when you think about his memory, just not even as a football player, but just like him as a as a as a guy and as a man, you know what I mean? Walter Payton, man, to me, friends, is an inspiration. This guy is the standard you asked me for hard work. This guy put everything out there on the line every time he carried the football, man. He was even a better person than he was football player. So Walter Payton has always been a standard to me when it came down to things of nature, not on the field, not just on the field, but also off the field. So I've always appreciated everything he has done, man, for this city of Chicago. I rock with that. Same, same, guys. And when I think of Walter Payton, I just think of a, a kind-hearted soul. You know what I mean? Like he left a legacy, not just on the football field, but look at his children. I mean, both in, in media here in Chicago and mm-hmm. He was he was a good father, a good man, a good husband. He took it and ran with it, figuratively and literally. He was the kind of guy that, no matter what you threw at him, he was gonna uh, overcome it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't able to to make it past such a young age. But you know, mm-hmm. he he definitely left a legacy. So he'll always be. Yeah, and I, I would say this, man. He was probably the reason why I even started playing football uh, to begin with. And you guys probably don't know this, man. But my mom, she was a major Bears fan, bro. And uh, she actually tried out for the Honey Bears back in the day. You know what I'm saying? My mom thought she was badass back in the day. But I'll digress. <laughs> <laughs> but, Big time moms. Man, but she she was a huge Walter Payton fan, man. And so when I played Little League football, I wore 34. So for me, man, it was just more than just – 
oh man, Walter Payton was like a good football player. Like to what DC was saying, I look at like what he left behind. Look at Brittany and Jared. They're representing his name and his legacy very well in the Chicago media game. When you see them, they're very professional. They're polite kids. They don't get into any trouble or no bullshit. So obviously you have to look at the, the parenting of Walter and, and Connie. So I look at that. I think that that's awesome. The football aspect of Walter, that speaks for itself. Greatest football player, in my, in my opinion, of all time. And you have to think about the fact that Walter came from an HBCU school. And you and I talk about this a lot, A-Dub, that the HBCU athlete does not get enough respect in this day and age. And we got to start looking at these guys and giving these guys the opportunity. Because Walter Payton came from Jackson State. And you can't tell me that there's not players that are coming out of these HBCUs that should be getting a shot out there. So shout out to you, Walter. And you got to think about it. One other thing on Walter. The NFL names his man of the year after Walter Payton. That kind of says it all, right? Yeah, Prince, big time, man. And I would say for anybody who have never actually seen Walter play, play, I will say if you want to get a very good glimpse of him, just go and look at 1977. Just take that year. Just look at that one year of this guy, and you will see how awesome he really is as a football player. And you also hear a lot of things about him off the field as well during that year. So if you don't know Walter Payton, that's all I ask for you right now to do a little Google on him. Just look at that one particular season. And the one thing I want to piggyback on what Prez said was around the inspiration-inspiring Prez to play football. In Chicago, we all know that we were never was that kind of team that, that threw the football. We were more of a running team. So the one position I always knew about Prez growing up was actually the running back position. I didn't know a lot of positions at first, but I knew about the running back because we always knew that Walter Payton was going to get that ball and he was going to do something with it. That's a fair point. You know, Chicago, we got that lineage of running backs, man. So that's what we know for running backs and defense. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Not so much on the quarterback side, guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Until now, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. Audience, as you guys know, we have an exclusive community on Crave It. Don't forget to follow us and connect with us on that community at Chicago Versus. You can find access to that Crave It app on Apple or Android devices. Fellas, now I have to revisit a topic that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Now, A-Dub, I'm going to come for you on this one because I asked both of you guys. I said, what are we thinking about Team USA? A-Dub, you were like, man, I'm so confident, man. I think these guys are going to be able to turn it around. And then what happens, A-Dub? They lose to France. A-Dub, talk to me, man. That was tough watching them lose to France. I didn't think it could possibly happen. But the fact that we get sometimes cannot execute on offense to where we cannot make baskets. My boy KD got into foul trouble. We just didn't look like the same team. Matter of fact, we like a team that really wasn't gelling at all, Perez. So right now, we do look very vulnerable in this tournament. We really do. So I think it's really going to be a lot of hard work on that side of the table to really focus in, Perez, on defense and really make some open shots, man. We're going to have to find some heaters, man, because otherwise we'll be going home without the goal. I mean, now I know that they did rebound against Iran, right? So, D.C., I want to get your thoughts on that aspect of things because, hey, Dub, I do agree with you. I think that they did make some adjustments in that Iran game, but there's a lot of competition that's going to be in that Olympic pool, and I just don't know how I feel about them winning the gold. But, D.C., I want to get your thoughts real quick, man. Team USA had been sleepwalking. I think them losing to France was the nudge to wake the hell up. Today, they did what they're supposed to do against Iran. 
when you think about it, to everyone else, Spain, Argentina, Slovenia, doesn't matter. That's what they're supposed to do. I mean, that's the legacy the Team USA has left behind, coming in, blowing out, taking care of business, and winning gold medals, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So today, when they laid the smackdown on Iran, you know, I'm sorry, you know, don't come for me, Iran. You know, I'm just, just saying, that's what happened. He's just a messenger. Leave him alone. They, they, they woke back up. They, they're sipping coffee right now. They got their folders in their hand. You know, they, they, they're, they're like, all right, now it's time to play. So I'm not worried. So he, you're not worried. Okay, so he's joining A-Dub, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'm worried. I'm looking at what I'm seeing, and now I was happy that, that they beat Iran today. You know why I think that they beat um, Iran? Two reasons. Popovich made some adjustments. I don't know if you guys peeped this, but he put Drew Holiday and Devin Booker in the starting lineup. I thought that was huge because you know what that did is it allowed them to play a little quicker pace. And I think the reason why they lost against France is because France forced them to play half court. They don't have the type of athletes that you're going to force to be able to play in that style of play. So I think that was awesome. But I also think the Popovich opened up the offense a little bit because some of the players, I don't know if you guys saw this, they were kind of complaining and grumbling about the system that Popovich was running out there. I saw that. Yeah, France, that's a good point. And I think when you go down that road about how the style of play how it impacts a team like the USA with guys who need the ball to be effective for us, that matters. So I think Pop did make some adjustments around that. The biggest adjustment that I wanted to hit on that you talked about, Frizz, was around inserting um, two Holiday in that lineup and Devin Booker. These are two guys who actually just came from, you know, playing in the in championship game against each other. So these guys are pretty much, you know, fresh and ready from the standpoint of being able to still play basketball at a high level. The fact that Drew Holiday has some very good defense for us, I think that's a big key factor because a lot of these guys out there can't just really run over him. You can't really just set screen and rolls on him that well. So I think with that, he's doing a very good job. Yeah, and also, I mean, let's be honest. Drew, Drew Holiday is a bulldog on defense, and that's going to be something that's going to be key when we get into the Olympic pool where we're talking about getting medal contention. So I thought that was really awesome, a pop. Also, it looked like Damian Lillard kind of woke up a little bit. So to your point, D.C., I think these guys might start to be uh, kind of uh, locking in a little bit more because we know we're going to get out of KD. But I think that Damian Lillard, he kind of snapped out of that slump a little bit. And Perez, the good point right here to bring up, though, that I want to make sure we just hit on really quickly is the fact that these guys can't take their fucking gas. They got to keep it going on. Yeah, you, you got you won a game, you blew them out, right? That doesn't mean get relaxed, right, and come into the next game as if you're just going to run through everybody else the same way. You got to still play. I couldn't agree with you more uh, on that. And again, to your point, Prez, Damian Lillard might have had a, a moment of, of self-reflection like, hey, this is not about my trade demands. This is not about where I'm playing next season. This is not about the name on the back of the jersey. It's about the name on the front of the jersey, which says USA. That's what everybody's now, now realizing. This was brought out that France played differently. You know, then they do when they're back in the States, back in the NBA. Those players may not be as great as the KDs or the Draymonds of the world or the Damian Lillers, but as a team for their country, they play different. So that's what Team right. USA had to, to understand is that, nope, nope, this is about us being the best in this field. Hey, so. hey, I like that point. Also, one other thing to think about, guys, is the fact that when you look at these other countries, they've been playing together for years. This U.S. team, they don't have the chemistry because think about it. Booker and, and Holiday were still playing uh, in, in, in the finals. 
And then these other guys, they were just, you know, kind of getting up to speed. So I think the chemistry is not there yet. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, man, you're right, Brace. Chemistry doesn't look there. And the thing is also going to have good balance on the floor, right? Guys knowing other guys, player personnel. And I think if you don't have enough time playing with each other, you really don't know what these guys can do unless you're playing against them, right? You kind of learn from that standpoint. But playing with them, you got to make an adjustment. And I think these guys are still learning to make adjustments on the fly. And with with that, chemistry comes into buying into your role, being a star in your role. So it takes some of the pressure off of guys, uh, like I mentioned, like the KDs and the Lillards of the world who have to do everything. They have to be that star, that showcase talent. But on Team USA, they can just do the great, the little things on a higher level. You know what I mean? Once everybody buys into that collectively, then you see that chemistry. Look at Zach Levine. He had eight assists. Mm-hmm. Like, like Zach. Zach is, is, is that type of guy that in that environment, he wants to do the little things. He doesn't want to be a guy out there dropping 40. He wants to say, like, all right, how can I help the team win? And he's going to bring that back to Chicago. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm excited about, about what's to come. And we talked a bit about that on previous episodes, DC. That's a good point because this experience with him playing with this type of level of, of players, but also this competition it's only going to bode well for him because he's not going to bring that attitude and mindset back to the Bulls, and we need that, bro. We're we going to get into some of those things later in this episode, but this Bulls team is lacking a lot of that type of stuff, especially that killer instinct. And I hope with him being around guys like Damian and KD and Draymond, just to name a few guys, I'm hoping that he's getting some of that, you know, that knowledge and that wisdom from those guys each and every day in Tokyo. And this is where you learn to win at, right? You're playing with some guys who already got some of that in their DNA. So you pick up some of those traits, and when you come back to your home team to play with the Bulls, you bring that. 1,000%. Yep. So, yeah, I, I was going to say this, though. I think when we look at this U- Team USA men's basketball team, I think Slovenia, guys, is going to be a major threat. I don't know how you guys feel about them, but Luca and them boys was out there putting smoke on some people. There's a lot of competition out there. So Team USA, I hope they get this thing figured out quickly <laughs> there's no walk in the park Chris. it really isn't man i think slovenia is a tough team i still think italy got some some things to prove out there as well they're not going to have a walk in the park against these teams man we're going to have to really show up and play really hard play very good defensively press because these guys man are coming in young these young teams and they hungry man like you said already you know uh, with luca in this squad luca is a star <laughs> So you got to worry about a guy like him. He's been playing very well, right? He put 31 points, 30-some points in 30 minutes. I mean, you got to worry about guys who really can get baskets. And and some teams are just hungry, right? They know how good USA is. And they're not going to just sit down and just watch. They're going to come and bring their A game. If they bring their A game, man, it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, That's a really good point because it's time out for those countries that used to bow down to the U.S. and being all those guys. Now these guys are like, we playing in bed with y'all. We're going to take it to you. And so I think now it's it's up to the KDs and the other guys that you guys have mentioned to step up. Because like you mentioned, DC, you got to think about the name on the front of that jersey. You are representing something that's bigger than you. And I'll tell you one thing, guys. When it's more about the bigger purpose of something than yourself, that calls for another level of responsibility. You got to take that to the next level. And I'm hoping that that's something that Pop is putting into these guys' ears Every day going for it. Preach. And when they look at that name on the front, you got to think of everything the USA stands for, you know, like what we fight for, just how it 
how it is for us here in this country. Um, just, just to be able to, to say to the rest of the world, like, this is why we are number one. This is our values. This is what we believe in that we sacrifice here. Like, I, I'm not trying to go on a tangent about, you know, just, this just everyday people in everyday life, hard work and blue collar, white collar. I don't care what you, what you are. You sacrifice something for the greater purpose, whether that be your family or whatever it is. It's about the front of the Jersey. So yeah, these guys, they're going to, they're going to buy in. Yeah, man. And I like the fact when you think about over the years, when Kobe is playing with LeBron and Wade, how those guys all sacrifice. And Kobe was like, look, I'll leave this team defensively, you know? And, that mindset right there, you know, bringing that type of energy and saying, hey, look, we, we got enough guys with the score. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to play my style this way here for the better of the team. And you're right. Sometimes it comes with sacrificing offense because the game is not just about offense. It's also about, hey, can you lay down some defense? And I think these guys are starting to realize that, hey, it's going to be some role clarity. We're going to have to play a different roles, different parts to help this team win. We all have to do it together, not individually. Well, that's facts. And then I think that when you think about what DC mentioned with uh, Zach Levine, now that's the part of Zach Levine's game that I really hope to see him involve with the Bulls next season, the playmaking aspect of these. Because we know Zach can go off at 30 at any given time. Right but now, if we can see that next part of his game, we talked about a couple episodes ago about how he was picking things up on defense. So these are all things that I've been watching, guys, about his development because Zach Levine's a hell of a player. But I still think there's another level that he can reach in his game. And I'm really excited to see what happens there with Zach. I'm with you, Prez. And the thing is, when Zach comes back, I will just say for coaching, hey, hold Zach accountable for defense. The guy can do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a, he's a world class athlete, so he can he can uh, do what what Drew Holiday's doing. Hopefully, he's learning a thing or two because from the guard position, man, you know you want to be able to stand out on offense, but you also want to be that guy that can say, "I'll lock you down on the opposite end of the floor." So watch me drop fifty on you and lock you up. Uh, okay, and that's when you know you made it. <laughs> Yeah, because it, 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 listen, there ain't a lot of them guys in the league right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right. That's how you separate yourself right there, Perez, to that next level, being able to play offense and defense. And that's why I like I like those two-way players. I'm hoping Zach can really turn into that. He's already showing some signs, Perez, that you talked about a couple of episodes ago about that. But he continued to grow. That's going to pay dividends for the Bulls team, man, this coming season. Absolutely, man. So we'll see what happens with Team USA. But I want to, fellas, get you guys' thoughts on what we saw happen uh, yesterday with the women's gymnastics team. They took home the silver, but we saw that Simone Bilas, the GOAT, she's still the GOAT to me. But we saw that she had some struggles, and she actually had to uh, back out of the team event. And she's also backed out of, I believe, you guys quote me if I'm wrong here, but I think she also dropped out of the individual all-around contest. But I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that decision by Simone, and what do you think about that? Because I saw a lot of people that were kind of taking some shots at her. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on just that whole situation, you know, as a whole. Sometimes you just have to look at the other factors and make the best decision, even if it is an unpopular one. You can't take shots at Simone Biles for for bowing out. She's a human being. You know, you you never know what could be altering her performance you know if the game is mental so like we saw with uh naomi yasuka man like this osaka i'm sorry she had to sit down in order to stand back up so simone biles doing the exact same thing she's sitting she's just sitting down temporarily come on guys she's not retired 
You know, I just saw something come across my feed here about Justin Bieber relating to her. Uh, and and he, he quote, I quote him here, nobody will ever understand the pressures you face. I know we don't know each other, but I'm so proud of the de- decision to withdraw. It's as simple as what does it mean to gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? So, so that's powerful. That's deep. It's very deep. Ease up on her. She's only you. What this lets me know, and if you all wouldn't pay attention, it lets us all know that mental health is a big deal. Sometimes people are impacted by mental health in many different phases. And what this showed to me was that, hey, she was experiencing something. And she made the right call by deciding to, you know, step aside. She wasn't quitting on her team, anything like that. I heard a lot of slander related to that. Oh, she's a quitter. She's not a quitter. This lady is a champion. She has nothing else to prove. She's one of the two top players I ever seen in gymnastic and also in the um, in the Olympics. I say her and I see Michael Phelps. Other than those two, man, they are the two greatest I've seen in the Olympics. So just hearing people throw slander, throw dirt on their name, man, it's disappointing. She made the call that she felt was right for herself and also was right for the team. There's no way you can compete with anything if you're not there mentally. So mentally does impact the physical. So I was glad that she actually made the decision to step aside because it was important for her to say, you know what, I'm not at my best. I feel it. I know it's time for me to step aside because otherwise she can injure herself trying to play a sport like that or do something like that where it could actually hurt herself for her career overall. So I thought she made the right call, the right decision. It's unfortunate that people are throwing dirt in her name with the fact that she's actually came out to say, hey, she experienced some things of mental and have some mental issues going on. So mental health, again, as I mentioned, Fred, very important. We got to take that stuff serious. No, I agree with both, both of you guys said when it comes to this situation, because A, the first thing that I have to say for any of these people that were online taking shots at this young woman, just think about this. She's on an Olympic team right now. You're on Twitter or social or uh, Facebook or Instagram talking shit about her. So you think about that part. <laughs> so the second part, though, that I want to talk about with, with what you brought up, A-Dub, was the mental health piece. Now, when I was watching Simone in the warmups, something didn't look right. Now, we know her ability and her talent. So it's obvious that she was in her head. There was obvious there was some sort of struggle that was going on because the things that we've seen her do time and time again, and she would do those things with ease, she was struggling. So obviously there was something going on. And I think that I give her credit for being brave enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to basically allow my performance to take away from this team. Because if right. she would have still kept performing and she would have had subpar scoring, that would have messed them up and they wouldn't have been in any sort of medal contention. So instead of people calling her a quitter, they should look at her and say, she took one for the team. Right. You're right, Press. She took one for the team, man. And it, like you said, it takes a lot of courage to even do that, man. And people act like these athletes are not human. She is a human being, though she's great. And she proved to us that, hey, you know what? I'm human and it's okay to be vulnerable at the same time. When you have a superhero that does something like that, you salute that. That lets you know that, hey, what she got into at this point takes a lot of hard work. It really does. And to really slander someone like her, of based on all the things she have done in our entire, you know, uh, Olympian career, it's very unfortunate, Perez. And we got to really think about the fact that, hey, this young lady has to look out for her health. And I'm glad that she's actually doing so. And I hope she has a good surrounding around her, Perez, of those who love her and show support to her throughout this entire process. And that's what we should also be doing, saluting her and supporting her. 1,000% A-Dub. And just this thought that I have on the whole thing, it, to your point, Perez, somebody on Twitter is making remarks or just, you know, 
online, wherever, about her bowing out or being a quitter, that's just like throwing, that's just like trying to throw rocks at an astronaut. Huh. <laughs> when you think about the level of focus and sacrifice that she has to commit to mentally just to be on that stage every four years and still dominate, she's moonwalking right now. Like you, you, we can't, we can't go in her arena, her game, and and, and do what she's been able to do. Not many of us can. That's why it makes her the best in the world. Right, but she could easily go on Twitter and become a troll. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> pretty simple, man. And the other thing, Perez, I want to throw out that you in DC, the great Michael Jordan stepped away from basketball. He wasn't afraid of anybody, anything like that. But a lot of pressure came towards Jordan Way. It really did. Father dying, all that stuff, and people throwing slander on his name. When you're that great, that famous, man, a lot comes with that. And one thing people don't recognize or think about is the toll it takes on you, what it does to you mentally, right? And it drains you. It puts so much on you. And you got the whole weight of the world on your shoulders um, based upon how people look at you and view you. People don't recognize what's going on in these individuals' head mentally. And I think we need to really think about it and take a step back and say, hey, why are we going to go all out here and slander somebody for things that we can't do? None of these people have reached that heights or that level and they want to slander somebody. Got to slow down with those kind of things, man. Either you're going to be there to support somebody or don't say anything at all, right? If you ain't got nothing nice to say. But we got to be respectful and understand that, hey, we got to have a little empathy for these individuals who are doing these kind of things for us. They're going above and beyond to do something great like that, like what Simone has achieved, what Michael Jordan have achieved. We need to be saluting those guys, man, those individuals. And I think sometimes we go the wrong route when we start to throw slander at them and throw rocks at them when we have not yet achieved anything of, of that in our lifetime. No, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And whatever was going on, it can't be grabs from the outside. So to the point that DC made when Justin Bieber came out and, and you know, and gave, gave her some uh, kudos and, and some props, that was some real shit. Because when I was listening to you talk about that, DC, we know she was doing the absolute best that she could in that given situation that she just didn't have it, right? So she took a step back. Right. How many people in this world should be doing that in their day-to-day lives? You know that something is not going right. And you know that, hey, there's something in my life right now that's holding me back from making the best decision in this aspect of my life. But some people don't take that time to reevaluate themselves and say, you know what? I need to just, you know, pause it, you know, pump the brakes real quick, figure some shit out. They don't do it. So I give her props in the fact that at the highest level possible, could you imagine the pressure that was in that situation that she knew she was going to take some heat for backing out and she still did it? That's why I think that she deserves to be applauded because that was brave in itself. On that big ass stage in the Olympics that she said, you know what? I'm going to do this because I don't want to hurt the team. That's message sent right there. Like even, even at one of her more lower points, she's still an inspiration. She's still getting a gold medal and reminding people, like you said, Prez, to just chill out, sit down for a moment, catch breath. Because we all know this thing called life, especially after a pandemic, can get crazy. You know, this is the first, and this is the thing that people aren't really bringing to the forefront is that this is the first Olympics post-COVID. This is the first time the entire world is getting together on one stage mm-hmm. post-COVID. So it's just like, hey, you know, <laughs> she was preparing for 2020's Olympic Games. Then she had to 
you know, going lockdown. And now she's back. And that, that's a whole different mental hurdle right there. And that, and that's a mental hurdle that a lot of us are still trying to clear, you know, is making sense of what life is now post lockdown. Well, DC, I mean, that that's a huge point because you have to think about the fact that a lot of us, like you said, we're still trying to figure things out. We're all st- still trying to climb out of this this pandemic, you know, and it's not just the financial aspect of things. It's still emotionally, you know, some of us had loss, you know, in 2020, you know, some of us have continued to experience those things. So I think to Adel's point earlier, when it comes to mental health, man, we just got to start just being kind to people. We got to stop with the nonsense. I know everybody wants to do the clout chasing thing and they want to take shots at people because it's going to get them some likes and it's going to get them some attention. But man, come on now. You know, we got to like look at situations and just be fair to people. And I don't think that Simone deserve any sort of uh, slander. And if any of you are out there doing that kind of stuff, man, y'all really need to reevaluate yourselves because this is a woman that I guarantee you at the end of the day, she got more courage than you'll ever have in your entire life. And I mean that. And I said that with my entire chest. Say it with your chest. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, speaking of something else that I want to say with my chest, fellas, Bulls might have some interest in our brother D. Rose. Talk to him. Man, if they got interest in D. Rose friends, that is awesome. That would be a great story to see Derrick Rose, the hometown kid, the place where he's drafted at, to come back here and play again, friends. That would be an awesome dream for me to see happen. Because I was, I mean, I love Derrick Rose, man. I mean, I hate that he had to go through some injuries, prayers that um, in D.C. that led to some of his career being hit and some of his talent going down. But the guy has learned to make some adjustments. He's been a good role player. He played very good with the Knicks. Man, I would love to see Derrick Rose come in here to help teach some of our young guys, man, on this team how to be a professional, right? How to continue to learn and grow as a player. The second coming of Inglewood's Jesus is upon us. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, sir, D.C. Dreads. The second coming of Inglewood's Jesus is upon us. I see it. It's inevitable. It's a match made in Bulls fan heaven. A promise derailed. Now coming back for a second time, D Rose to fulfill. What more can you say? That's five stars, right? Okay. All right, DC. I see you. <laughs> no, you I like that. Was? I see him. I like that. Because both of you guys know that D Rose was treated like shit on the way out. Fans forgot real quick the fact that he was the youngest MVP in NBA history. They forgot real quick. When he started having those injuries, you started seeing people turn on him. The organization itself turned on D Rose. They started putting stuff in the media and the fan base turned on him. I'll tell you one thing. I know two people that I know never turned on D-Rose, and that was my boy A-Dub and my boy D-C. Anytime we was having conversations back in the day, we was always like, man, dude, I just hope that D-Rose can get back. I hope he can figure it out. We was all like, man, he's got the talent. You know, obviously, and we were talking about earlier with Simone. We know that Derrick Rose was struggling with some of those mental hurdles. But see, the mental health conversation wasn't as prevalent then as it is now. So D. Rose was suffering in silence. And you know that that was the thing that was keeping him from performing at that high level, guys. It played That's a big factor, Prez, a very big factor. And a lot of folks weren't looking at that piece that you're throwing out there, Prez. So it's 
it's something now to really take into consideration because you don't know how so what how it can impact people from a mental standpoint. They got something going on mentally, it will affect the physical. And that's part of the reason why you saw Derrick Rose at times not wanting to play. He had lost some of that love for the game at one point, Perez, and then he got it back. But the thing is, if he comes back to this team now, Perez, the way he's playing right now, the way he feels right now, this guy can be a very big contributor. I mean, I like him in a six-man role that was to happen. But the thing is, we've seen Derrick Rose evolve, man. We did. We see him grow. Even though some of his talent has gone down, but he has grown into a man and a, and a very good NBA player from that standpoint to where he can actually contribute to a team and still give off some good advice to these young guys. Derek Martell Rose. <laughs> if you're listening, sir, we come from the same part of town. I'm Auburn Gresham, you're Inglewood. We back to back. Brother, it makes too much sense. The Chicago Bulls are in need of a point guard. Mm-hmm. Sir, you are a free agent. Sir, you just performed on the big stage in Madison Square Garden. The sir, fans, you dropped 30 on the Atlanta Hawks. You showed the world you still got it. I'm coming home. Come <laughs> Tell the world I'm coming home. <laughs> it makes too much sense. Listen, li- listeners, if you guys didn't notice, this man right here is one of the biggest D-Rose, Pooh fans I've ever met in my life. But it's some real shit, man, because <laughs> I remember, man, we would go to games, and I'm telling you, D-Rose would cross somebody over here, get to the bucket. Before I could even look over to, like, give this man a high five, he was already jumping up in the air. So this is real. This is a real, like, love affair. And I would tell you, I would love if they made this happen. Because to your point, A-Dub, it will be a great six-man addition because we do have a need at point guard. Kobe White isn't a complete point guard. And Sadaransky, I've been hearing rumors that other teams in the league are looking at him, so he might not even be on this ball club, fellas. Yeah. That's true. Man, Chris, you're right, man. Him coming back to this team is just brings back some memories to me, Chris. And you were just going on the path of those memories. And I remember on my birthday, I went to a Miami Heat versus the Bulls game. And LeBron didn't play that game. But D-Wade okay. and Derrick Rose were going at it. And the, the kid got the best of D-Wade. I said, this kid is really on another level. Like, seriously, on another level. And I knew at that moment that this kid was actually a superstar. And it just, the fact that he can come back to this team again, Perez, he doesn't have to have that kind of same talent that he once had. The fact that he found ways to be a great basketball player still. He can still drop points that D.C. already talked about at Madison Square Garden. He can still score. Mm-hmm. He still has that jump shot, Perez, that mid-range jump shot that people want to talk about. That's still part of the game. His three is better, too, Wade, though. Let's not... Yeah. yeah, it is better. Now, I still... Yep. That shit's still a line drive, man. They still got to teach him to get a little arc on that junk, but that, that joke could be going <laughs> in, though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good point, Perez. It does, man. You got to like the guy, man. The kid still plays. He shows up in crunch time, too, Perez. You can go to him late in games. You can say, hey, man, Rose, get us a bucket, man. He know how to set up the guys. He can go one-on-one and get a bucket. He can get anybody a bucket. He wants to get others involved. And like we mentioned a couple episodes ago, could you imagine D-Rose on this team running a pick-and-roll with Vooch? Because like you said, he likes to set the table. I think those are your exact words, DC. That is what we need on this team. And in crunch time. Who on this team right now, and I'm asking this 
honestly, from both of you guys, who on this team right now is someone that you want the, the ball in their hands with the game on the line? Just Zach, really. That's it. And he hasn't delivered in crunch time yet. Yeah, he's still learning. He's still mm-hmm. he's still he's still developing what those big shots feel like. Derrick Rose wrote the scripture on what big shots feel like. <laughs> like <I'm laughs> Rose yeah. has been there, done that. I still remember that Cleveland game we was at, brother man, when he pulled up, banked that motherfucker in, bro. And I was like, boy. And that man, that expression on his face, he just looked like, I'm built for this. And that's what we don't have on this team right now. We don't have guys like that. He's cut from that cloth. This is Chi-Town bread right here. That's why we are Chicago State of Mind, because we are built different. And that is what you need a guy like that back on this team. We need that back here in this city. And Derrick Rose have gone through some wars against the Boston Celtics, against the Miami Heat when they were really good. I mean, Rose has been in some stuff, man. And I'm telling you, you need guys like that on your team who has big games in them, who've been in big games, who can make big shots. And you hit it right on the head, DC and Prez. This is the kind of guy, man, you want to roll with. I would, man, I wouldn't mind seeing Derrick Rose back in a Chicago Bulls uniform. AK and Eversley, make it happen. This is how I'm going to put a bow on this. You think about it, Rose was young and had success in Chicago. He was balling out, he was giving his all to bring a championship to this city and an injury cut it short from him. And then he, he was cast out. He had a journey. He had to go on a journey. Now, now granted Tibbs was his, was his guide through a lot of that mentally as well. He had to overcome a lot, leaving the city of Chicago for the first time, really since college. I mean, Memphis as he was just there for a year, but this was his first time. You think about it, really learning what life was like living in other cities. Now he's in a position where he's he's been able to stay healthy. He's been able to put up big numbers and and really regain a lot of what he lost. And he just saw Chris Paul at the age of 36 go to the NBA Finals with an opportunity to win a ring. Derrick Rose is only 32 years old. He's about to be 33. He was way more talented than Chris Paul. Derrick Rose actually got a bag. You know what I'm saying? He got a lot of tools and things that he can go to. And so he showed you once the athleticism part of his game kind of went away, man, this man's like, shit, I got a mid-range. I still can shake you up and I can still get to that cup whenever I want to. You know what I mean, DC? Yeah. So so while that athleticism uh, diminished a little bit, he still got other weapons. So if he comes back to the city of Chicago, look at Zach Levine's comp, Devin Booker. Look at Vucevic's comp, DeAndre Ayton. You you want to tell me that a team like the Bulls with similar elements and good coaching can't do what the Phoenix Suns did on that level? Hell yeah, we could do it. I'm Make a you. good point there. And one thing I would think about, Prez, that I would love to hear if Derrick Rose to come to Chicago, I would love to hear how those conversations goes between Derrick Rose and Patrick Williams. Because I remember Derrick Rose playing with Jimmy Butler, right? Who turned into a star. And actually giving some points and tips to Patrick Williams, who I think is going to elevate his game, right? So having Derrick Rose around is a big contributor to that because you need those veteran leadership on this team. No, I think that's really, really important. I want to segue real quick into the NBA draft and the Bulls specifically. So the draft is tomorrow. So we gave the audience 
a couple of guys that we thought could be pretty good fits at 38. So I wanted to get you guys just last minute, you know, opinion on which way we're going to go because the Bulls have had a lot of different uh, prospects come in and work out and so forth. But I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on out of all the guys that you've kind of done your research on and, and have seen us come into the Berto Center, who are you really thinking is going to be like the best fit for us uh, to get drafted uh, tomorrow? Thinking JT Thor. Okay, so you're going to stick with JT. Okay, I got you. Standing on the limb there with JT Thor. From what I'm seeing, from what I'm hearing, JT Thor has met with Bulls management on a couple occasions, tried out, worked out. 6'10", long athletic. I feel like we're going to go into that mold of getting bigger guys that could do multiple things. Keep in mind, we're in the same division as Giannis. So to add more Patrick Williams-like type athletes that can play multiple positions, I believe JT could do center, power forward. We just need that versatility. And I feel like AK is going to do what he has to do to, to get a guy like that. Okay. Yeah, and then audience, you guys know where the DC gave you guys a pretty good thorough rundown on him on the last episode. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, make sure you do so. He gave a really good scouting report on JT Thor. A-Dub, what you got for us? Prince, I might be changing my thought process on, on this here because I know the Bulls are probably looking at more of a maybe a big man, maybe a power forward type of guy. And I'm thinking they're probably going to go with someone kind of big, got some length on them. But I was thinking about Kessler Edwards. I thought he might be a good fit. He has the nice size for his, can shoot the three as well, can stretch the floor. Another guy around 6'8", six, 6'9", six, that the Bulls might want him to look at. So I thought a guy like that might possibly fit the bill. So audience, if you guys aren't familiar with Kessler, he uh, went to Pepperdine. A-Dub, that's an intriguing name because to uh, the point that DC just made a second ago when he talked about Patrick Williams. Well, this kid, Kessler Edwards, is kind of like a Patrick Williams kind of, you know, lookalike if you think about makeup and, and background as an athlete. He's kind of a bit of a tweener. And so was Pat Williams when he came out and when the Bulls drafted him. But A-Dub, I right. like this one because this kid, Edwards, is a really big-time high-energy player, bro. Yeah, man. He can block shots too, Perez. He can do a lot of stuff, man. And, um, on ball, defense. Those things you look at as well, because, you know, like I said before, the NBA do a lot of pick and roll, right? you got to be the guard through that and, and, and get through that, get off the top, man, or get around. And if you get beat, you have to recover and, and with, with, a, with a block shot or something like that. So I think a guy like him can show some promise in that area. I'm not sure the Bulls going to get him, but he will be a guy I would love to see on his team. Now, one thing, though, about him that kind of throws me off a little bit, because I was watching, I mean, I've been watching so much of these basketball prospects, man, on, on YouTube and stuff. The one thing, though, that throws me off about him is his shooting form. He's got a real weird release on his shot. Yeah. It's real weird. And <laughs> the only other thing, too, A-Dub, is he's not going to be able to get his own offense. No, he isn't. I, I told a group to that, Perez. He's not. And he's going to have to show some growth in, in all this. Um, it's going to be a, a difficult task in a way of he has to make some adjustments. And I think playing with the Bulls, with the right coaching here, I think they can help him develop. But you're right, it's going to be a, good, a big change for him. And hopefully he can work through that. Yeah, but I do really like the coaching staff that the Bulls have put together because they'll be able to develop a guy like this. And, and one thing, too, with Pat Williams in year two, I guarantee you guys that we're going to see him take his game to the next level. So a guy like this with this coaching staff, you'll see the work that they would be able to do with him potentially if they do go that way. Yeah, right. and 
I, I also feel like the Bulls are going to do what what isn't expected of them. You know, you're, you're looking at, all right, okay, we traded for Vucevic. We had to give up our first round pick. That that was a heads or tails. So you got to think about it. Had they gotten a lottery pick, they would have still had to do some scouting, still had to do some research, still had to have some guys in mind that they would be looking at drafting. Right. So I don't think they scrapped those plans altogether. Now, they they may look at their current roster and say, all right, well, maybe this piece is expendable here, or let's see what we can do to get into that maybe 15 to 20 range. Um, because as we've seen before in the past, especially with, in Giannis's case, you know, there are some good gets in that middle of that first round. So nobody's talking about it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a move to 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 pick maybe in that 15 to 20, as well as with the, the second round pick. Yeah, well, we'll definitely see. I'll be uh, definitely patiently waiting, man, for the draft. And fellas, I love the NBA draft, man. And I, I hate that we don't have a first round pick. So I hope that AK and Eversley got something that sleeves and they can sneak into that, you know, the back end of that draft. Because I think there's really some really great talent in this draft. Honestly, last year's draft, I didn't think had as much talent overall, but I think this draft has a little bit more talent to it. So I'm really, really uh, excited. I think one guy that intrigues me is Greg Brown from Texas. Guy's super athletic. I'm not going to go into a whole breakdown on him, but audience, if you want to see somebody that can jump out of the gym, look at some of his highlights on YouTube. Man, dude, that guy's got some rise on him. And uh, I think that his frame, he's already NBA ready. So I think that would be a guy that I think would really look good in the Bulls uniform. And he plays physical press. He doesn't mind the contact. So I do like a guy like that, man, who can jump like that and play physical. Yep. The only the only negative about him, though, is that jump shot. <laughs> so <laughs> we got to work on, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, man, um, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the Anthony Miller trade. But before we get into that audience, I did want to let you guys know the A-Dub and I will be present at Hallis Hall on Saturday. And so we're going to be live tweeting from the practice. We're going to get a couple videos up there, but you know how the Bears, they're very secretive. It's like Fort Knox. You can't really get a lot of information out, but whatever we're allowed to tweet out, we're going to be live tweeting on our Chicago State of Mind account at Chicago Versus, V-E-R-Z-U-Z. So definitely follow us and, and, and uh, look at what we're going to be putting out there as far as uh, the Bears practice is concerned. But fellas, what were your thoughts on the Anthony Miller trade? Not surprised. Honestly, I, I feel like this is something that the Bears tend to do is, you know, every now and then they 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 look to trim the fat, if if you will, to to bring in more opportunity. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I, I just felt like it's 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 not it, it's it's not moving the needle either way. Okay. I get what you're saying, DC. The Bears have been looking to trade them for a while. Uh, we finally found the suited here. I'm not pretty much mad about it because I know the Bears have a crowded wide receiver group. You yep. got Bird, you got my boy Money Moon, you got A-Rob still. I mean, just a loaded group out there, Press and DC. So therefore, losing him doesn't really make a difference to me. You know, let's get someone else an opportunity to play that slot. I think Money Moon can play very well, of course. <laughs> you know, I, I think A-Rob can slide over there easily too, if need be. But we got enough guys. We really do. And the fact that this guy did contribute like he did early in his first couple of years. And he started to take steps back and started to lose his mind a little bit with his mental issues without, you know, keeping his head in the game. 
that all adds up. Because last season wasn't a good season for him. It was a very inconsistent one. And from that matter, I'm like, well, you can't hold on to this guy. Let's think about moving forward without him if, if we can do so. And maybe to find a suitor where he can do that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what, what both of you guys said. I wasn't surprised. A-Dub, you're correct. The Bears have been trying to trade him all offseason. They finally found a suitor. My thing on this whole move, though, is Anthony Miller, we know he has the talent. The thing was is that he right. just wasn't putting it all together, whether it was he didn't know what was going on with the playbook, his attitude wasn't the best maybe at times, and like you mentioned, A-Dub, mentally, on the field, how he allowed other guys to take him out of his game. He got a lot of unnecessary penalties, getting ejected from that Saints game. I could go on and on. I mean, any of you guys that listen to our DeBear Central's podcast, you know that I nicknamed him Can't Get Right. So any of you people that <laughs> have seen life, that is Anthony Miller. But I wish him well in Houston. I'm not surprised that he got shipped out of here. But I'm going to tell you one thing. This is another miss by Ryan Pace. Now, we've all given Ryan Pace his flowers for trading up and getting Justin Fields and trading up to get Tevin Jenkins. But we can't forget that this is now yet another one of your draft picks that did not pan out, Ryan Pace. And that's what I think about when I look at this Anthony Don't look Miller good. Trade. No, not at all. Well, Press, you make a good point there, man. And the fact that now he gets a fresh start somewhere else, I'm hoping he can pan out to be a very good wide receiver. I'm really, I root for guys, Fred. I don't want to see anyone go down. But I am going to root for him to see, hope that he does a good job with them. This Maybe this change of scenery may be a good thing for him. Uh, but who knows? We'll see. He gets his last opportunity now with his new team. If he can't produce there, it's like like you're saying, Perez, hey, look, we made a bad draft pick from that from that perspective to where now it didn't work out well. Sometimes you just need a, need a, a new look on things or a new outlook, and uh, Houston might be that, that place for him. Yeah, and, and I mean, <laughs> this is a contract season for Anthony Miller. No more excuses. He's not only playing for the Texans to see if he's got a future there potentially, but he's playing for his NFL livelihood of his next contract. So you talk about a guy having his back against the wall. I'm hoping that he's looking at this season and this is going to be a redemption story for him because right now the the Bears just gave up on you, man. They felt that they had more people in-house that they believed in. So to Ado's point, they have all this talent in that wide receiver room. They believed in those players more than they did in Anthony Miller. So if, if I were him, I would have the giantest chip on my shoulder possible. It don't take much for me to have a chip on my shoulder. But if I'm Anthony Miller, I'd have felt some kind of way about that. I'm like, oh, really? So you think that Daz Newsom's better than me? <laughs> oh, you think that Jameer Burr's better than me? Oh, you think that Marquise Goodwin is better than me? Oh, I'm about to show y'all. Me and Deshaun about to do work. I hope that's his mentality. Right. I hope so, too, Perez. I mean, oh. it's right around training camp when all this occurred. So it's like, oh, wow, okay. I'm thinking we're about to get ready for the season, and you all shit my ass out of here. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I want a little payback now, you know? Let me get myself together so I can go out with a bang here, you know, with my new team. So therefore, they can miss me while I'm gone, hopefully. Yes, sir. Like, that's a that's like a cold glass of ice water to the face. Like like you said, they done right before training camp, man. Like, <laughs> your, your mind is thinking one thing and, like, splash. Like, huh? <laughs> you got a flight to catch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, speaking of a flight to catch, uh, we don't have much Chicago Sky uh, coverage, but we do know that our very own Stephanie Dolson is competing in Tokyo as a part of the three-on-three tournament, guys. And actually, while we podcast, they're actually playing right now. They're playing against the ROC. So 
What are you guys' like just initial thoughts to this three-on-three tournament? And Stephanie, man, they call her Big Mama Steph. She's been out there putting bodies on folks out there, boy. She is not one to mess with. <laughs> hey, Prince, you make a good point, man. Our girl, our woman, she is tough as nails. I mean, she's out there putting laying wood. I mean, she's battling, banging for boards, <laughs> friends. She's out there setting hard-ass screens on people and don't even care about it. I mean, and then she's rolling to the bucket getting layups, man. She's playing like she's supposed to play. And I'll tell you one thing, I've been surprised, not much surprised, but I've been happy to see her thrive in this, man, and doing a very good job. So I will say she was an asset to that team for sure. Continue to lay the smack down, Stephanie. (laughs) 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 And you know what, too, DC? The one thing, too, she's got this journal that she's been doing uh, from her time over in Tokyo, and it's been kind of interesting. So I've been, like, checking it out, and she talked about her experience that she got to walk with the rest of Team USA in the open ceremony. And she talked about how great of an experience that was for her. And I actually thought that that was really cool because think about all the ceremonies that you guys have watched with the Olympics. And I've always kind of put myself in that mindset of like, man, I wonder what that feeling would be like being able to walk out there representing your country. So she talked about how it was really cool because it was something that she had watched on TV over the years. It said to be actually be a part of something like that, she said, is a moment that she'll never uh, forget. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Like that just... Just being there, just soaking in that experience, you got to think that she's just she she's she's really having like an out of body experience, just being able to go out there and do that. Like that's something that no one else. It's it's just a small fraternity of individuals that get to live that experience and live that out. So that's amazing. And people don't forget about how fortunate and privileged they feel when they get a chance to play for the country. You know, and that's a big deal. And I'm glad she feels the same way. Like, it's a big deal to play for my country. It's a dream come true. It's one of the things I want to accomplish. And now you're able to do it, right? You're like on cloud nine. You know, it's surreal. And I'm glad that, you know, um, she puts it, puts it out there. And I'm glad she's having some success doing it as well. And you got to love it, man. You love people who really want to do this and take it very serious. Yeah, man. So I, I will look forward to seeing uh, how far, you know, that uh, U.S. team goes in that three on three. I know Steph's going to continue to play and ball out, and I want to continue to see those journal posts that she makes uh, uh, for the rest of her time over there. Fellas, we're going to segue over to the Chicago Cubs, A-Dub Chicago Cubs, A-Dub. <laughs> now, I'm not going to mess with you too much on this this week, but I want to get your thoughts, man, because right now as an organization, you're looking at a lot of guys on this team that don't know what their future is with the organization. There's a, the media is asking these guys a lot of questions of, hey, do you think that you're going to be here? With Rizzo, it looks like the Red Sox are going hard after him. There's a number right. of teams that are interested in, in Chris Bryant. So I just want to get your thoughts and your pulse on this team as a diehard Cubs fan. My pulse on this team, Perez, is it looks like something is going to happen. It looks like it's going to be some trades. Um I can tell by the way that even guys even are playing at times. Some days they look really good together. Some days they just don't. Even since the All-Star break, they've been up and down, uh, playing somewhere around 500 ball. But the fact is, guys kind of can sense it. Like, this may be our last time together. And you kind of expect that to happen when your team are not doing so well. It's a different type of locker room right now, Prez. It's like, uh, you just don't know. So everyone is waiting to see who's going to stick around here, who's going to be shipped out. You just don't know when it's going to happen at any given time frame. So these guys are all knowing and realizing and come to realization that, hey, something can happen very soon. Yeah, it's, it, it looks like it's one of those seasons where it, it's just, it's wait and see. You know what? We, we don't know what's happening next. And, 
if you look at the Brewers, just saw they acquired uh, Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, I saw that. Like Cubs have decisions to make. They they really want to. They really want, or they really have to just decide what they want. Do they want to be competitive for the next few years, or do they want to just completely, you know, go in the opposite direction? And, and and look for uh, a little bit down the road. Yeah, I think if if I'm being you know objective here, I think that would be the best approach here. I mean, we saw with the White Sox, uh, DC, that there were a number of years there where we were like trading away. We traded Chris Sale, we traded a number of our our major guys, and we got a haul of pro- prospects back in return. And I think that if I'm looking at this Cubs team right now, not to use this term too much, but it's they're kind of at the end of the road with this current crop. So I think that it might be into their uh, best advantage to see what they can get for Rizzo, to see what they can get for Chris Bryant. Shit, hell, if you can get something for Wilson Contreras, maybe do that too. You know, I don't think anybody at this point should be um, untradeable. And that's, at least that's just my opinion on the outside looking in. I think everybody should be on the trading box. If you ask me, no one's untouchable, like you're saying, because the team is now looking for where they can get the most value, where they can get the most prospects, right? Um, you you want that in your farm system. You want to build your farm system like what they did before, Perez. They've done it before. And by the time 2016 hit, they were actually looking good as a competitive team. So you want to think about where you are right now as your team, as things are starting to go in a different direction. You don't have the pitching like that. You don't have the hitters like that. And you're playing 500 bat, uh, baseball. You're not the same team. You're just not. So you got to start fresh somewhere, right? And with this team here, you can't sign everybody back for big money. You can't invest two hundred million in Rizzo. I'm sorry, in Chris Bryant, and then pay a hundred plus million for uh, Rizzo. It just doesn't make quite sense like that. And then you got to start and try to get other pieces. You can't get pieces if your team continue to perform at a decent place, right? To where you can't even get any top draft picks. So I think they really in a unique situation right now. So where they have to consider that hey, maybe it's our best interest to just trade away some of these guys here for assets. When you think about this, this has just been a really frustrating season. We saw some of the frustrations boiling over at Wilson Contreras the other night. So I just think all the way around, fellas, when you look at this, you have to imagine in that dugout, that locker room situation, man, I know people are professional, but (laughs) you have to wonder, like, man, what are those guys thinking every day, right? Chris Bryant's hearing all these trade rumors. He even made a joke to the media basically saying, like, man, I can't wait till I'm not traded. So that way you guys can look at it and be like, oh, damn, we were all wrong. But that has to take a toll on people after a while, you know? It is taking a toll, Press, And that's maybe part of the reason why Rizzo hasn't been hitting well. I mean, the guy's been hitting pretty um, ugly lately. He had some good hits, I mean, recently. But overall, he has not been looked really good. And part of it because maybe, hey, those trade talks and all that, it's probably getting to him, you know? And it does add, it takes a toll on yourself until you find out where you're going to be, where you're going to be playing at. So you can't really get so comfortable right now with your team because you just don't know uh, what, your, what the future might hold when it's out of your control. You know what, and A-Dub, you just, you just said a word that says it all about the Chicago Cubs since they won the World Series. Comfortable. They got comfortable with one World Series. And I think what you've seen is a dismantling slowly but surely. And then you got guys like Chris Bryant trying to figure out, well, am I going to be around for the next World Series or am I continuing my career elsewhere? Because those trade rumors do wear on you over time. So I think right. bringing in a guy like, like David Ross, a piece of that, of that 2016 World Series, and then keeping a few guys that were vital 
to that run or just just great uh, for the organization. And then reloading, re uh, retooling, if you speak with a lot of young prospects that you can kind of inject that same energy into for future for future runs. But I think they just have to figure out who are those guys? Who are the is it Rizzo? Is it Bryant? Like, who are those guys that's going to take over that next that next phase? Yeah, no, that's a, a very fair point, man. I think when I look at it, though, David Ross, decent hire. I think that they need to go to a rebuilding situation, get in a new young crop of players in here. Maybe Javi comes back, but I think that they need to rebuild. I also agree with the fact of what A-Dub said earlier. Chris Bryant extension is going to be steep 200 million plus shit it may even get up to 300 you know Rizzo that's not going to be cheap Contreras not going to be cheap Javi Baez not going to be cheap so they have a lot of tough decisions to make and I don't envy Jed Hoyer at all I really don't (laughs) it's a tough position to be in Perez uh, at this point to where you are as a team you're like at a point to where hey your team is not performing well and you got some big contracts coming up, well, expiring contracts to where people want to get paid. I mean, at this point in their careers, I can't help but say Chris Bryant wants the bag, right? Rizzo wants some of that bag. And like you said, Chris, how he buys wants some of that bag. I'm some of that bag. I mean, he's been around. He's a star player. He feels that way. He's got a lot of pub in the city here. People around the world love him. So it's like these guys looking to get paid. And you can't afford to pay all these guys. So they're going to have to go ahead and make some decisions. I mean, my last point that I have on this and and... and I look at Chris Bryant. He's been the best homegrown talent that Cubs have had since Greg Maddox. And yes. he may end up having the same effect that of Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox left the Cubs, went to Atlanta, and was a part of a damn dynasty. And as A-Dub's buddy that he met at the, at the bar last week said, <laughs> Greg Maddox went into the Hall of Fame as an Atlanta brand. You don't want history to repeat itself, do you, Cubs fans? All I will say is this here, Perez. Excellent. Is hey, Greg Maddox is on a whole another damn level. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Hey, Chris Bryant's very young, man. His book has not been written. So you think about that. He could go on to another team and win three, four, five World Series championships. Then what's the conversation going to be then? That's the that's when I'm looking at that talent. I'm just saying. Now, well, Greg Maddox, his story's already told. Chris Bryant's got a long career ahead of him. So just think about that. We'll see, though. We'll see. You know, I'm rooting for him. I mean, I always root for former players like a Chris Bryant type of guy. Anyhow, I'm a fan, Prez. Um, We'll see what happens in the next chapter. You know, I'm definitely going to root for him. I'm going to watch him play. I hope he can stay here with us. But you just don't know for what that price range might be. So that price tag is too high, which I believe is going to be. It's going to be very difficult. But overall, hey, we got to see what's going to happen next. Could you imagine a guy like Chris Bryant going to the Yankees? Oh, you know the the their history of just getting sluggers, just loaded cap, you know, loaded uh, just salaries. Just they they want they want another run. They want another dynasty, man. I'm just I'm just saying that would be sick. And see now, DC, you feel the vibes because that's exactly what I was thinking in my mind. If the Yankees go out, because you know they'll spend, they go out and get a guy like that. Now he's paired up with Stanton. Oh my God, that would be a murderous team out there. And that's what I'm saying. Now that could be Greg Maddox too, because now you got Chris Bryant in the pinstripes, <laughs> win the championship after championship. So I'm just saying, just think about that, listeners. Just think about it. 
Hey, friends, you don't want that now. Now, now, think about your White Sox now. Now, 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 you better be careful what you're asking for. Listen, in the words of Kenny Williams, you stay out of White Sox business. You ain't got nothing to do with the Chicago White Sox, sir. <laughs> I just got to throw it out there, my brother. You know me. I got to throw it. Hey, the Yankees looking too good. Hey, look, man, that's competition for you guys. We, we ain't ducking no smoke over here. Listen, we had lost half our ball club this season. And what are we? In first place. And you know what? Since you brought up the White Sox, let's talk about it. So, Eloy is back, fellas. Eloy is back. He okay. was DH in the other night. Had him in that four spot. I hope they keep him in DH. Honestly, I don't want to see him in the outfield. I know when he was down in AAA, guys, the manager down there was like, oh, well, he had, we had him playing in the outfield. Everything was going well. Well, you know what? Eloy ain't no outfielder. That's how he got hurt in the first day of place. <laughs> Y'all DH this man. We want that bat and let the rest of those guys play in that outfit. But I am so pumped now that we got one more guy back. And when we talk about acquisitions at the trade deadline, so on the Cubs aspect of things, they may be selling off. Now when I look at the White Sox, we may not make any moves because we got all this talent that's going to be coming back from injury. And that makes it very exciting because we've been able to hold off and be able to perform well. And that's with Grandel still out. He had knee surgery, right? Lewis Roberts still out. When we get all these guys back and this team is full strength, y'all better watch out. And we ain't worried about no fucking Yankees. Fuck New York. (laughs) I will just say this here, friends. Congratulations, Eloy, back. The first game looked like shit. Okay, I I, I said it. But um, the next game, he looked great, actually. Looked like an all-star. Matter of fact, lucky guys missed him. He played pretty well in the outfield, but you're right. I'm okay with him playing DH. I think that's the best spot for him. But the guy can straight out, straight out play, he can hit, man. So good for you guys. You get some of your talent back. You're right. You got other guys on the way back for his. That's going to be good for your team. And you guys are holding it down, man, since those guys have been injured. So, so far, man, this might be a magical year for your White Sox. I just hope you guys can continue doing what you're doing and stay at it. Always gracious, A-Dub. See, I know prayers. You go with A-Dub on the Cubs. A-Dub is, I'll give A-Dub some credit there. He's very gracious about, about the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? But I, but I heard him say that uh, Eloy sucked in that first game back. See, I listen to everything that's said, so. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, boys. You don't picking on me, man. <laughs> DC, you know I'm petty. Come on now. Y'all know that. <laughs> Man, I'm 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 happy to see Eloy back though. So welcome back. I agree with you two both. Um he DH is the spot uh for him. And just keep it just 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 let let everybody, like you said, Press man, just get back slowly, just incorporate everybody, get everybody into a good role, a good rhythm. This team is going far. This team is set up for success. So yeah, they, there there are no moves that we really need to be making desperately right now just just let everybody get back in the swing of things no and, I don't, yes, and the other thing i will say i don't see no major threats in you all's division press that you all can be worried about like oh we worried about these guys here in our division y'all got nothing to worry about about your division man you guys can run a the table there so i think maybe a little bit outside division is what you guys looking at who you all can stack up against so far you guys like the team to beat really you ask me but yeah we'll see what you guys land at man i mean i'm looking forward to seeing you guys continue to play Especially when the playoffs sit here, I know you guys are going to be in it. So that's going to be a very interesting sight when we get to that point. But so far, Perez, I've been impressed with your team, man. I'm going to keep it 100 with you guys, man. You guys have been looking good, man. Looking very sharp. No, I appreciate that. And I'm telling you one thing, man. I am so looking forward to this in the summer fall period. Listen, we're going to have 
the Chicago Bears being relevant in this town. We got the Justin Fields effect going on. We got the White Sox that are going to be going deep into the playoffs, fellas. Audience, you guys are going to be in for some peak podcasting because we are going to go in. If these White Sox do what I know that they're about to do, oh, I'm going to be unbearable on this podcast. And none of y'all going to be able to tell me nothing out there in this podcast land. Nobody. So, just be on the lookout for those podcasts with me just being over the top. And I'm not going to apologize about it one fucking bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, man, dude, this show has been fun, man. I've been loving, man, chopping it up with you guys about all these various squads, man. We got our final segment time here. If this city could talk. So mine is in the spirit of what's been going on with the Delta variant, the rising COVID numbers. And also knowing that schools are going to be coming back into session soon, right? So if this city could talk, I'm focusing squarely on CPS, Chicago Public Schools. So they're going to be requiring their students to go back to school. However, CPS has very limited virtual learning options for their students. Now, CPS, I want you guys to think about the effect that that has on some parents that aren't comfortable with their kids going back to school. A lot of kids, well, I'm just going to say this, kids under the age of 12 can't even get the vaccine. So now you want these kids to all be going back into a school setting. There's still no long-term answer there. We're not going to have any sort of vaccine options for those kids until November or December. And now you want these kids to go back to school. Also, in the fact of the matter that we still have a lot of these kids that don't even have the resources to even do school virtually. They never even answered that issue over the course of the pandemic. So all the funding that the federal government gave to these schools, where did it go? Because there's still parents over here talking about they don't have Internet access for their kids. They don't have laptops and, and tablets and whatnot. So if this city could talk, it would tell CPS to really reevaluate how you guys are going to be doing this return to school policy. Because I personally think that we could be setting ourselves up for spreading this virus on this next phase, and it's not going to end well. Prez, that's deep, man. And that's something we have to really think about, man. And you know me, Prez. I've talked about this plenty of times. And I care about the safety of the individuals, especially our kids, man. And uh, we got to do the right thing, man, do the respectful thing. And pretty much take this stuff very serious. But definitely, if this city could talk, man, what I was thinking about, Prez, is that over the weekend, there were certain people who were shot over the weekend, which pretty much we're saying that, hey, guns are still a problem with people utilizing. So I did want to throw out there that we do have people out there who are working hard to try to get some of these guns off the streets. I want to shout out Saint Sabina Church, who kicked off his gun back initiative to pretty much, you know, uh, get guns and pretty much um, buy them from people who just getting rid of them on the streets. And those initiatives like that is something that I say that we need to continue doing more of, of where we're trying to get these guns off the streets to where people are getting killed, man, or getting shot. It's too much of that violent stuff happening. So whatever initiative we got going out there, man, I'm salute anybody who's out there doing initiatives to help stop some of this gun violence. And if people are doing that, I want to salute that, man. And I want to say all, we, all the time we see all this stuff on the television about what's going on negative, I want to throw out that there are people on the grounds who are working hard to try to do something about these gun violence. So overall, I would say, hey, it's a lot of work to be done. But I will say I'm going to enjoy seeing folks who work really hard to try to prevent the gun violence out on these streets of Chicago. If this city could talk, it will save. We need to stop this gun violence and work really hard to prevent shootings going forward. 
Well, I just want to give a shout out to Father Flager out there doing the God's work out there at St. Sabina. This is a guy that I've been watching out here in the streets, working with different gang leaders, working with the community, helping people in the community. We need more people to actually step up like this man. And this man is not a black man. And he's out here doing more than our quote unquote black leaders that are out here standing on the sidelines and they're profiting off of the pain of our communities. So right. salute, salute to you, Father Flager. If this city could talk, we need more like you. Absolutely. Yes. 1,000%. St. Sabina, not too far from where I grew up. Like I mentioned earlier, Auburn Gresham neighborhood, 80th and Green. That's that's my stomping grounds. That's that's my heart, home, always. And if this city could talk, I'll piggyback off of your point, A-Dub. Growing up in that side of town, gunshots are not foreign like it's not a foreign concept <laughs> you, you just you, you tend to hear more gunfire on the south side of chicago i noticed within the past week there's a 3.8 billion dollar redevelopment uh aimed at, at bronzeville which is great you know i'm happy for that community it's going to lead to more economic empowerment however if you've got the money for that where are the funds to aid in eradicating gun violence from this city. I'm just going to throw this out there. Killing is some whack shit, period. Shooting somebody is lame. It's not helping any of us. I get it. There are some heinous offenses. I drive Lyft. Uh, one of my passengers today just said, hey, man, you know, if you, uh, you, you commit X crime, yeah, I get it. You know, I get it. Go shoot the other person. I'm going to take it a step further. Like, uh, you take a life you take a life, you know, and usually that's what ends up happening. You shoot somebody, now you got life in prison. You know, like you're taking your own life. So if people just understand that when you commit that crime, you're essentially doing it to yourself. You're doing it to your brother, your sister, your cousin, your auntie, your grandma, your grandpa. You're doing it, you're doing it to everybody. Everybody's affected. So killing is lame. Chicago, let's, let's, let's allocate some funds and, and continue to support people like Father Flager people that are just doing it in their homes as parents, grandparents, just to, you know, put the gun down, son, fight like a man, like pops, you know, on Friday, like just taking their part <laughs> to, that, that we get these guns out of our communities and that we just come together and unify so that we can enjoy this thing called life. Hey, in the words of uh, the immortal pops, you win some, you lose some, but you live to fight another day. And I think what DC's point there was strong because there's a lot of our young kids that are being snuffed out over nonsense and bullshit. These things at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If you got a conflict with somebody, if y'all can't talk it out, maybe sometimes you might have to go around the corner and see what's what. But can we put down the guns? You know, I coming up, I got into a mini a scuffle, but I'm still here. And I think that we got to get back to the point in life that we can use our intellect to have conversations to bridge the gap when we have differences of opinion and, and any other type of things. There's a lot of conflict out here that's unnecessary. And having this easy access to these weapons is causing people to just pick up a gun and shoot somebody over some nonsense. It's too many senseless deaths out here. The violence has to stop. So if this city could talk, it would say we've seen enough. It's time for us all to rebuild, to repair, and to be better. This city can talk. This is a good time for us to come together. 
They said you could talk. It would say, hey, it's our time. It's time for all of us to wake up and show up. DC, go on and sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. Go!